Welcome to this episode of The Balance Sheet, where you learn about the most critical business issues of, the, of our time. I'm your host and fellow student, Conrad Chua. Today, we have Dhruv Sada, who came to Cambridge 20 years ago and has since had a long career in M&A corporate turnarounds. He's now Managing Director for Alvarez and Marcel. So thank you so much for coming back here Thanks, to Cambridge. Dhruv, can you tell us what is, a, what is the work that Alvarez and Marcel do? Sure. So um, I've, I've been with A&M. It's better known as A&M, but Alvarez and Marcel is, is, is the name many of us know us by. Um, we've been around for over 30 years. Uh, we're best known for restructuring Chapter 11 bankruptcies. The big cases that, that gave us really the, uh, the recognition globally were cases like Lehman Brothers, Tynex Corporation, uh, and we were the guys who often people would refer to as corporate doctors. That's our origin. A lot of what we do today is actually working with healthy businesses. And we do three things. We do restructuring still, so operational restructuring, financial restructuring of businesses that are either distressed, so really looking to find a way of survival. We work with other businesses that are more in need of corporate transformations. So they're not yet at the point of bankruptcy, but are leaking cash. So how do you actually turn around the business? And that's really more about focusing on performance improvement, leadership changes, etc. And the third thing I'd say, broadly speaking, is transactions. So a lot of M&A work, both for financial sponsors, so private equity funds, as well as corporates. And we tend to advise across the entire deal cycle with its valuation, stacks, and, um, and other areas. Dhruv, you talk about corporate uh, restructuring, and I, I can only imagine just how high pressure the situation is. Companies may have only weeks or months left of cash. So when you are engaged, what do you do? How do you organize your team? How do you make sense of what is going on? So it really depends, uh, Conrad, on how we're, we're called. So often the lenders are the ones who call us if it's a financially distressed situation. Um, so creditors driven, the creditors will be looking at how do we actually recover some of our funds, our monies, our investment in the business. Um, and often they'll call a firm like ours. Uh, and our objective will be, will be different topics. So it'll be around cash management. How do you actually start thinking about the business from a 13-week, we call it 13-week cash flow perspective. So what can you do to free up cash in the business? That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing we start looking at is leadership changes. Uh, do we have the right people who can actually operate in a stressed environment? Many individuals are not used to working in situations where you're really, really burning the midnight oil. Uh, and, and that's the sort of the second part where we often put in interim people, interim leaders, whether it's the interim CEO, CFO, uh, or specific individuals in different functions to really help drive the survival of the business from a functional perspective. Um, apart from creditors uh, and banks that often call us, we often get uh, involved by boards or, or, or owners, shareholders. Now, the shareholders could be private equity. So often private equity will give us a call uh, and say, we'd like you to kind of come in, have a look at the business, and better understand the root causes of underperformance in the business. And we start typically by doing a, what we call a diagnostic. So over a three to four, sometimes six-week project, depending on how complex uh, the company is. Often it's just uh, in one country, uh, but in most instances where we get involved, they're very complex situations, global operations, uh, a number of different individuals. And we start thinking through 
uh, what, we, what we would typically call a framework, a diagnostic around different elements of the business. It not only, it's not only about cash, it's also about working capital. So how do you actually keep the, keep, keep the business running, uh, ensuring the sufficient working capital in the business? Uh, it's looking at top line as well, top line growth. Could you be doing more to get more, more, more of a turnover uh, within the business? It's looking at people, headcount. Often we are, we're known as the people who are involved in, in, letting, in helping accelerate the transition from uh, a fat company, as one would call it, to a leaner organization, so getting rid of headcount. Mm. Uh, and that often involves complexities, whether it's in Europe, with dealing with different workers' councils, France, Germany, often very complex regimes when it comes to being able to let go of employees because of, uh, of the social laws. Uh, but in other instances, often going in and, and, and diagnosing and coming up with a view of how you can actually get leaner very quickly. So hopefully that, that helps answer mm, the question mm, a bit. Mm. Obviously, companies can be very complex, operating across different regions and you've got different industries. Do you have like a playbook that you follow when you come into a company, what are those things, maybe the first three things that you look for to help you get a sense of what's going on? Sure, so the very first thing that you're looking at uh, when looking at a company is the management team, the leadership team. Do you have a strong leadership team that can take charge or is already taking charge but just needs the additional catalyst for change when it comes to the survival of the business? So it could be the CEO, it could be the CFO, uh, it could be the chief operating officer as well, depending on how the organization is structured. That's the first thing we'd look at, leadership. And where there are gaps in leadership, we will, as I mentioned earlier on, we would augment the leadership team with individuals from, from our business. Uh, the second thing is really looking at the financial records of the business. So is there good quality of information? Is there something the business is doing that is, uh, that is incorrect? Uh, and in order to do that, you've got to build a solid fact base. Now the fact base can really depend, how quickly you get the fact base depends on the organization, the systems, the processes. Uh, we have teams of, 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 of analysts, of data analysts that can go into a business and, and pull data from different systems and integrate that into different dashboards. So very quickly the data is talking to you and you can visualize the data to start informing the different actions that you might want to kind of uh, explore further when it comes to different areas. So that's the second thing we do. The third thing is really ensuring that, and I, must have, I should have mentioned earlier on, we're a very senior-led model. So what, what do I mean by that? We don't have a school bus of people who are fresh out of university with very limited experience. Our differentiation in the market is that we have been there before, we have run companies. So a lot of our people actually are a combination of individuals who have been operators, so people who have led businesses, either from a functional perspective, from a CEO perspective, or as CFOs, and we have individuals who have been career advisors, whether it's M&A, bankers, uh, debt restructuring people, uh, management consultants. And the third thing is really individuals who we often will bring in uh, as, as interim managers. Uh, so we have individuals like myself, I have performed interim roles uh, in businesses undergoing a transformation, but we have under, other individuals as well who primarily only focus on a career path of interim management. Yeah. So bringing that leadership in alongside what I mentioned earlier on about building a fact base starts helping us develop a view, an initial view, that's not only hypothesis driven, but more fact based driven to start understanding the root causes of what are the issues in the business and what are the initiatives you can start developing and thinking about. Mm. And the most important bit in any corporate turnaround situation is quick wins. So if you're thinking of a 13 week period or, or the next three months, let's say, mm. 
you've got to really better understand what is it that I could be doing in this business that would create that step change in the organization to ensure its survival, or in, in certain instances to ensure a step change in performance if it's not a, a distressed situation. Mm. Obviously, when you get into a company, it's a difficult situation and there's going to be difficult conversations that you're going to have. How do you prepare for the, these difficult conversations? I think the, the most important aspect uh, in our DNA is leadership. Uh, and by leadership, I mean you've got to have a transformation mindset. Uh, act as a change agent, a catalyst for change. Not being in the business actually helps us because we can be very objective, not take sides of anybody in the management team, or, or the owners, anybody else, because our job is very simple. It's to actually get to a particular outcome, and that's our mission statement. So what have you been tasked to do? What's your mission? Uh, in doing so, you will then come across different individuals in an organization. Uh, to think of yourself as a corporate doctor, your objective is to try and figure out very quickly what's gone wrong in the business and what you need to do to help save it or to help it perform better. And in doing so, you'll often come across individuals who for various reasons, either legacy issues or down to the way they've worked culturally in an organization, can often be closed to the idea of actually having someone come in uh, and take a look under the hood. In doing so, the most important bit is collaboration. Um, so trying to really collaborate with the business. It's no point coming in and telling them how they've done something wrong, rather than actually saying, how could we do, be doing something better together? So our approach really varies depending on situation, uh, where it's, uh, it's an extreme situation where management have failed, we will just step in uh, and take charge uh, and take over the reins if we've been tasked to do that uh, by the individuals who have appointed us. In other instances, we will collaborate very closely with the management team and the individuals they have assigned. And part of this is also about capability building in the organization. So as we're looking at developing a performance improvement plan, let's say, as part of a corporate turnaround, we will often have individuals who are part of our teams. So we only, not only have the A&M team members, we also have team members assigned by each functional topic often, either part-time or full-time, depending on the scale of what we're trying to achieve, uh, working alongside us. That not only helps us when it comes to knowledge sharing, because you'll already have the information and you'll be able to ask the right questions uh, to the company, but it's also about sharing best practices and lessons learned. What have we seen in other situations? How could we help this company? And I think the best way of actually making change stick in an organization is ensuring you do it with them rather than to, to them. Obviously, you've recruited people, many people into A&M. Given what you just said, what are, sort of, what are the things that you look for, the qualities that you look for in a recruit, someone that you bring in? I'll talk about my own personal experience. I think we've, we've hired over uh, 20, 25 people from, uh, from Cambridge, uh, from the Judge Business School. Cambridge University will have a lot more, uh, several hundred. We're about 8,000 people globally uh, across 30 plus locations. Uh, and we have different disciplines. So I sit within our uh, corporate transformation business. Uh, what I mostly focus on are corporate turnarounds, transformation situations, not distressed businesses that are about to go into a bankruptcy and it's about survival. It's more about step change improvement. And that can either be within a corporate business, corporate owned business, or a business that's owned by private equity, where a financial investor is looking for value creation over a specific period of time. Uh, the first thing is intellectual curiosity. Now, a lot of people will talk about intellectual curiosity. It's not about only being intelligent, but it's about thinking of creative ways of trying to solve a problem, because there's no one size fits all 
for any particular situation. Second thing we look for is experience. Do you have relevant experience? Have you either performed a role in a particular industry that we work in quite regularly? So you're bringing that industry know-how and want to transition into a, a firm like ours, which is more of an operational consulting business, I'd call it, rather than a strategy consulting business. Um, so the second thing we do. Uh, third thing I'd say that we look for is, uh, is financial literacy. Very important to understand the financial health of a business. So we're not necessarily looking for accountants only, but the ability to diagnose very quickly uh, what is wrong with the balance sheet of a business? Uh, what is wrong with, uh, with the profitability of the business? So how do you actually start thinking about the different value creation levers when it comes to working with the management team of the business? If you're unable to talk financially about a business, it's a lot more challenging to help them given where we sit in the, in the arena of advisors working with, working with companies. You've obviously seen so many companies uh, in different stages uh, of, of their lives. What do you think distinguishes great companies that continue to reinvent themselves, stay ahead of the competition, versus those that really need um, lots of corporate restructuring and transformation? Um, well, the, the most important bit is leadership. You've got to have a very strong top management team uh, that is complementing each other. Uh, not only from a leadership, from a CEO perspective, the person who's the face of the company and providing the strategic direction to the business, but also a strong CFO, somebody who really understands financial um, well-being of a company, working capital management, treasury, etc. Mm -hmm. really thinking about techniques and ways of actually ensuring the business is financially healthy. Uh, the most important aspect of, 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 of all of this is really ensuring that you are able to drive the company forward. So it's the ability to constantly reinvent yourself. A number of companies we work with often aren't challenging themselves enough, or they have boards that are not challenging the management team. The role of a board, particularly in publicly listed situations, is to often challenge the CEO and the management team. How could you be doing things differently? Uh, the trend and the wave of shareholder activism is helping there, uh, from North America to Europe. So we find ourselves in situations often where an activist is putting pressure on the board uh, to make change happen. They will try and get an observer seat uh, and then try and uh, make suggestions or, or enter into a healthy dialogue initially with companies around certain things. So it could be the carve out uh, of a performing of a non-performing portfolio, something that could actually create more value by actually separating the two businesses or selling something off. And in order to actually have that healthy dialogue, what you often require is a management team that's open to new ways of thinking. So having a management team that's very closed to new ways of doing things isn't often the, the recipe for success. It's about openness. And shareholder activism is definitely one lever uh, uh, that is actually making a lot, of, uh, a lot of headway in Europe. There's a lot more, and, and we often publish these reports on a regular basis that actually talks about activism and which companies might be attractive to shareholder activists based on a number of different, uh, different triggers, whether it's the share price, it's changing CEO, it's the profitability market share. We have a number of, uh, of different triggers and it's called the Avers and Marcel uh, AAA report. We, uh, it's all about activism. Mm. You mentioned the word management leadership a lot. And you talk about how companies need to reinvent themselves, but also this, companies are individuals, the leaders are individuals. 
do you have any advice for people to constantly reinvent themselves so that they don't find themselves in a situation where the company is trying to expand and actually they don't, they're leaders but they don't have that skill set to operate, let's say, cross-border or in a larger context? There, there are different leadership styles. I won't say that there's one particular leadership style that's the ingredient for success, for running a business and ensuring it continues to grow for the right reasons. It's also about uh, adaptability. So it's, like I said earlier on, it starts with the, from the very top, the CEO. And with the CEO, you've got to be able to find uh, and build a team around you that is complementing you. You may not have all the answers, but you need individuals who will constantly push themselves towards greatness. So from, what you say, from good to great, mm. uh, as, as many people would say. Uh, and in doing so, the, the key thing is to ensure that you're constantly challenging your team, you're empathizing, you're a good listener as well. Uh, many leaders go and walk the factory floor. That's very important. If you're sitting in a corporate room and not really understanding what's happening, what the issues are uh, on, the, on, the, on the floor, you're missing a trick there. So mm -hmm. a number of leaders you'll see today in the corporate world are the leaders who are actually going out there, spending time, uh, understanding the business, because many leaders and CEOs in particular often transition from one industry to another. They're often not in the same industry. And sometimes that fresh thinking of trying to think about new ways of doing things in a particular industry can also be particularly helpful because you're actually bringing parallels from one universe to another one. So are you saying that corporate leadership, it's a transferable skill across different industries? Yeah, hmm. yeah. And it really depends on, because we're talking about leadership over here. I don't think you have to necessarily have um, worked in a particular industry to be a good leader. I think that's definitely a benefit because it actually helps you understand the business much better, uh, far quicker. But I've, I, I know many leaders uh, today that have actually been uh, serial CEOs uh, or board members, and they're actually bringing the, the learnings from other industries, whether it's from a functional perspective or from, a, from an industry perspective, because there are parallels there. Hmm. So on that note, I know that many people who watch this, they are thinking of changing their careers in one way or another. So that's good advice for you. And I want to thank you so much, Drew, for joining us today online. Thanks, Conrad. Just a few seconds.